Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So over the past couple days, we've gotten the full spoiler for Jumpstart. And uh, honestly, my my hopes for the set were not that high initially, but I was really pleasantly surprised by all the great new cards, all the great reprints, a lot of exciting stuff in this product. And today we're going to be talking about some of the new commanders and main deck cards that we think will have an impact on commander. But before we jump into that, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, with that, let's jump into the new commanders. Do you want to read off this first one? Yeah, so uh, this is Bruvac the Grandiloquent, a 1-4 human advisor for 2 and a blue. If an opponent would mill one or more cards, they mill twice that many cards instead. Um, so what do you think this deck is going to look like? Well, uh, I so I tried to start off doing things like, um, you know, I'll double my Startled Awake, I'll double my uh, my Archive Trap, but really it just didn't seem like it was going to get there the i mean there are a couple things that work really really well with bruvac there are a couple effects for example that make your opponent mill half their library so traumatize is one three blue blue sorcery target player puts the top half of his or her library rounded down into his or her graveyard so naturally if you're doing double that uh that's most likely their entire library unless <laughs> yeah. they have an odd number of cards um there's also Fleet Swallower, which when it attacks, it does the same thing. So again, that's powerful. Um, that's kind of a cool combo element to it. But in terms of filling out the rest of the deck, I, I think that like Persistent Petitioners might be the best game plan. Um, so milling, the fact that Bruvac is, is himself an advisor makes it so that you can curve out pretty well. Play a petitioners on two, play Bruvac on three, play two more petitioners on four, and then start milling your opponents for 24 at a time. Um, you're also on color, of course, for um, Thrumming Stone and a couple artifact tutors to try to get that into play. And then once you uh, have the Thrumming Stone, because you've got so many petitioners, you're pretty likely to ripple into more of them and play out your deck, mill people's entire libraries. So I think that's kind of what i'm looking at in terms of the way i'd play the deck i'd probably also throw some um some spell tutors in there things like personal tutor mystical tutor just to make it more likely that you see that traumatized because that is such a a potent combo in there you just kind of point to someone and go you lose yep so that's what i'm thinking for this deck kind of agree there's really not too much to say about him you just he's gonna mill you and he's gonna do it pretty efficiently All right, uh, what's the next commander we're going to be talking about today? So the next commander is Ormos Archive Keeper. This is a 5-5 Sphinx for 4 and 2 blue. Uh, They have flying. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, instead put 5 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Ormos Archive Keeper. Uh, They also have the activated ability 1 blue blue. Discard 3 cards with different names. Draw 5 cards. Hmm. Um, So, I mean, my first opinion on this was this is kind of just good stuffy like the if i'm gonna mill my entire library out why don't i just win like why would i put five counters on him it seemed like the big draw for this guy was just like i can pitch three cards in my hand to drop a new hand (laughs) yeah 
Uh, that's where I'm at too. I mean, it is an upside. It's not, it doesn't make the card worse to have this replacement effect on there, but really like when you're up against things like lab maniac and the thing is, if you've gone through your entire library, you're going to draw into your lab maniac. You're going to draw into th your Thassa's Oracle. So the reward on almost doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially because it puts you in such a precarious position and doesn't immediately win you the game. Like, okay, the first time you do it, he'll be a 10, 10. I mean, and if you're able to, um, to activate him, then, okay, now he's a 30, 30, but you're still killing one person at a time with combat damage and doing it in a way that if it doesn't work out, you lose instantly. Yeah. It seems like a lot of risk for not much reward. And I was trying to think of ways to like abuse this, like, okay, what can I do in mono blue if I can't mill out? And it was like, is there any universal effect? Is there anything that just mills everybody? And it's not, there's not really anything right now. Like the most you could do is play like a leveler and like not die mm -hmm. until someone has a doom blade. So, um, yeah, not really too much. I would say I, about this, like this list I think is just going to really be like mono blue good stuff. It feels like, but this next guy, Oh, he's pretty exciting. Yeah, he's very exciting. Do you want to get into him? Sure. Uh, this is tiny bones trinket thief. One and a black for a legendary creature skeleton rogue. It's a one-two. At the beginning of each end step, if an opponent discarded a card this turn, you draw a card and you lose one life. And it also has four black black. Each opponent with no cards in hand loses ten life. I mean, this is easily the best discard commander we've oh ever gotten. Oh my god, this little guy's so powerful. It's He's so good. Very, very strong. Oh my god. I mean, mono blacklists already have like herbord coffers and stuff, and you're already exsanguinating for a win a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And this is just like if y you, Miogen of Knight's Reach, and you have an herbord coffers, like everyone could just be dead. Mm -hmm. Like the, the value on the like lose 10 life is insane when you just have like big mana black going on. And on top of the just getting to that point, when you just get so many cards, you just, you're going to draw so many cards. It's so insane. Yeah, I don't even think you need a Miogen. Just uh, doing some gold fishing with this list, it felt like my opponents were discarding so many cards. There's uh, just so many, like, it's worth it to run almost anything that makes each opponent discard, just because the, the value for you is so, is so high. There are a couple MVPs I really want to point out. So Bottomless Pit and Necrogen Mists and Gibbering Descent are all enchantments that have at the beginning of your upkeep uh each player or at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player discards a card or discards a card at random or in the case of gibbering descent um they discard a card and lose one life so they all enable tiny bones to trigger on each opponent's turn so in a single round of turn you're drawing four cards off of that enchantment and your opponents are each losing a card very strong there's also oppression which is one black black for an enchantment. Whenever a player casts a spell, that player discards a card. You know, it is symmetrical. You are going to be discarding cards, but your opponents, if they're casting spells, then you're refilling your hand off of tiny bones. Anvil of Begarden is a nice one. Anvil of Begarden is an artifact. Two mana. Each player has no maximum hand size. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player draws an additional card, then discards a card. So again, another way to trigger Tiny Bones on each person's turn, draw four cards per round of turns, and also 
get a little bit of card selection. So those are all extremely strong cards. In addition to that, you're just running classic staples like Geth's Grimoire, you're running Waste Knot, additional ways to refill your hand as you're casting all these uh, like one-shot discard effects. Because, you know, you'll be playing things like... Uh, burglar rat one in a black for a one one when it enters the battlefield each opponent discards a card just it basically cantrips gets your opponent's hands lower gets them closer to that threshold of zero for tiny bones anything else you want to mention for this deck i just want to say like you're talking about how like anything that makes opponents discard a card uh i think it's really funny how like liliana specter goes from like kind of marginally playable like common like if you're making a budget list or something to like incredibly good and then there's cards like Vicious Rumors, which is uh, one black sorcery. Vicious Rumors deals one damage to each opponent. Each opponent discards a card, then puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. You gain a life. Um, just like limited fo- fodder, like just like not anything I would normally want to play in EDH. And all of a sudden it's just one mana draw a bunch of cards. <laughs> like that's a lot. So turning like this one card into like this cantrip and, and doing that with like a bunch of different cards. Like uh, one of the things that... Uh, kind of stands out to me in commander nowadays is how powerful like having a blocker can be sometimes especially early turns so like having tiny bones down on turn two and then like having a burglar rat which is just a one one for two when it enters the battlefield each opponent discards a card like all of a sudden you drew a bunch of cards and now you have this like chump blocker that can power through and this list just has so many of them because they just draw you so many cards so uh if they can get to the point where they can start attacking you um you're in mono black and you can kind of prevent that and then they're just not going to have a hand after that point like this list just seems so like good (laughs) like so good and honestly uh is gonna just i think troll a lot of people in in the years to come now yeah i think it may be kind of oppressive but it's still a new deck added to the format prior to this there weren't really there wasn't really a good discard commander yeah, this that's really true. I mean, I would say the closest would have been Nath of the Guilt Leaf, which was a five mana four four, mm-hmm. three black green for an elf warrior. At the beginning of your upkeep, target opponent discards a card at random from their hand. Whenever an opponent discards a card, you get a one one green elf warrior creature token. Um, so basically, it was this like green black combo list. You could make. Basically, everyone discard their cards with something like uh, Sadistic Hypnotist, which is like a 2-2 minion for 3 and 2 black, which has, at sorcery speed, you can sacrifice a creature. Uh, target opponent discards two cards from your hand. So you sack a creature, they discard two cards, you get two boys, you can sack another boy, get another thing. That I think that was the probably the best one before this. Yeah. I mean, but of course there are some some challenges with that list like having a five mana commander that you need to have on the battlefield to like get the reward for all this discard that's a challenge and with tiny bones he comes down really early and of course also with nath you need to have some sort of way to convert those one ones into cards so you need to have the sadistic hypnotist or a mind slash or like a skull clamp so that you can draw cards whereas tiny bones it's just direct your opponent discards you draw and that makes it a lot more efficient. You don't have to run these like engines to convert resources. Oh yeah, I mean Tiny Moons definitely takes the crown now. He's he's here. He's small, and he's running away with that crown. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're gonna see this guy. He's gonna just uh, wreck some tables for years to come now. <laughs> for sure. All right. Are you ready to move on to the next commander? 
yes. Uh, do you want me to read them off? Sure. Muxus Goblin Grandy is a 4-4 Goblin Noble for 4 Red Red. Uh, when Muxus Goblin Grandy enters the battlefield, reveal the top six cards of your library. Put all Goblin creature cards with converted mana cost five or less from among them onto the battlefield and the rest onto the bottom of your library in a random order. When Muxus attacks, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each other Goblin you control. So um, we're really we're just trying to fill up the board so he hits real big, right? That's what we're doing with Muxus. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he, you're just getting so many Goblins. You get so many goblins. Um, so, Nick, how many goblins are over 5 CMC that you would normally run in a list like this? Oh, maybe like two. I think maximum. two, right? Yeah. Like Goblin Goliath and Goblin Marshall are the only two I would really consider running in a goblin deck. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the ma- the vast, vast majority of playable goblins get hit by Muxus. It's a lot. You're going to get a lot of value off this because it's it's a goblin list. We've seen these before, but Muxus is going to come down and you're going to get like goblin chieftain and a beetleback chief or you're going to get like a matron and a rabble master and then a kiki jiki and all of a sudden you're just going to have a board out of nowhere that does something completely randomly. Um, it seems kind of like a blast and honestly he seems like a really good way to rebuild after a wrath because he is six mana Mm -hmm. um so like maybe you wanted to play a goblin list that wasn't as um fragile uh fragile or i was gonna say uh explosive as krenko Mm. because i think yeah krenko is still better i think yeah he's still the king still think krenko is gonna be number one for a long time but this list is going to offer a lot of power it's going to let you play a lot of the goblins that you probably like and love and without the short games mm-hmm. that krenko offers the table i think yeah I, I would just point out a couple notable differences between muxus and krenko and other goblin lists for one thing with muxus you don't really want to be running spells that generate goblin tokens so hordling outburst is normally like an mvp great rate for goblin tokens in most goblin decks here you don't want it just reduces your hit rate some tech to think about there's a scroll rack is very very good here lets you swap cards between your hand and the top of your library so you can set up a really good muxus hit make it almost certain and then uh you know draw cards in the process essentially other good things because it's he has an etb trigger there's a little bit of play with that um even the mono red is not typically awesome at like recursion type of things, but there's Voyager staff, um, single mana for an artifact, pay two, sacrifice it, exile target creature, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So just a good way to protect him from removal, potentially uh, get his trigger again, get more guys onto the battlefield. I also really like Sanctum of Eternity. It's a land that taps for a single colorless mana. And you can pay two and tap it to re- return to our commander you own from the battlefield to your hand. Activate this ability only during your turn. So that's another way to reuse Muxus. You don't have to worry about getting him back to the command zone to recast him. It's just a good little engine that doesn't require a lot of space in your deck. Yeah, I was going to mention this one if you didn't because I, I actually think this is like one of the better uh, triggers, one of the better triggers to farm with a card like the Sanctum. So definitely... I don't know. I think this list will be really fun if you like goblins, uh, but don't really want to like just stomp your play group. This is, I think, a really good opportunity for you to uh, to kind of play with the cards you like and uh, just kind of have a good time, but still just 
honestly be doing something crazy powerful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just getting boards out of nowhere is uh, a lot sometimes. Yeah, big fan of this guy. So uh, we have another red commander. This is Zerzoth Chaos Rider. Uh, Zerzoth is a 2-3 devil for 2 and a red. So 3 mana. Whenever an opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not their turn, you create a 1-1 red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals 1 damage to any target. Whenever one or more devils you control attack one or more players, you and those players each draw a card, then discard a card at random. Lots of words there for kind of a simple concept. Basically, uh, if an opponent draws a card not on their turn, you get a devil like from Innistrad, the one ones that die in ping. And if you attack someone, uh, you you and the person you attacked both discard a card at random and draw a card, um, which is going to trigger and give you a devil. So uh, what do you do with this? So there's a lot of things. Um, it's worth noting that devils are not a very popular creature type. There's only about 30 of them in all of magic. And what I would like to do when I drop Zerzoth is already have like a couple devils on the board so I can immediately get his trigger, potentially make multiple devils. Uh, So I'm running uh, not only all of the cheap devils, but also a couple changelings and things like Adaptive Automaton and Metallic Mimic where you can set their creature type as they enter the battlefield. So... That's one thing I'm trying to do is just make sure I'm able to sort of curve into Zerzoth with devils and start generating devils very early. Another thing I'm looking to do is find other ways, ways other than Zerzoth to make it so that my opponents uh, draw cards on other players' turns. So there's things like Temple Bell, three cost artifact, tap, each player draws a card. There's things like uh, Otherworld Atlas, four-cost artifact, you can tap to put a charge counter on it, and you can tap to make each player draw a card for each charge counter on it. There's also Mikakoro, Center of the Sea, which is a legendary land that taps for a colorless, and you can pay two and tap it to make each player draw a card. And then Gaia Reach Sanitarium, also a legendary land, also taps for a colorless, and you can pay two and tap it to make each player draw a card, then discard a card. So those are some good ways to generate devils without uh, relying on Zerzoth's trigger. Uh, other than that, I um, w- I like to put in a couple sack outlets just to make use of these devils, get the pings when appropriate. Uh, Sheevan Harvest is a is a favorite. One in a red for an enchantment. Pay one in a red, sacrifice a creature, destroy target non-basic land. There's also, of course, Skull Clamp, uh, Blasting Station, Goblin Bombardment, Weaponize the Monsters. Just a couple way to convert these tokens into cards while getting the ping. I think this is going to be a pretty good list, a pretty fun list. And the fact that he's three mana means that it's going to do what you're trying to do pretty quickly. So uh, if you uh, like aggression, if you like mono red, uh, if you like devils, like devils, then uh, this is probably a pretty good place for you to start. Mm-hmm. This next guy is Inez, the Gale Force, a 4-4 four, four Jin for three blue blue. Uh, they have flying and two hybrid white blue. Attacking creatures with flying get plus one plus one until end of turn. Then whenever three or more creatures you control with flying attack, each player gains control of a non-land permanent of your choice controlled by the player to their right. Um, this, this is trippy. This is, I don't think we've really had something quite like this. There's the only thing I can think of is the Amina two ultimate. 
Um, but yeah. yeah, this is a lot more selective and you, there's and more play to it. It's going to happen pretty often, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I guess my question to you is like, what kind of things are you going to be trying to give away? What do you think is going to happen? Like, uh, like I, I feel like you're not going to be like, drop in bronze bombshells on your like opponents uh probably that doesn't seem like the best use of your time but um what would you be giving away in this instance so when i see something that requires you to have three or more creatures of a type i'm my first instinct is to try to cheat that i don't have to commit three cards to the board so i'm looking to see if it's possible to generate a bunch of tokens of that characteristic um I think like curving spectral procession uh, into Ineaz seems great or like battle screech and maybe one other creature so that by the time you drop him, you're instantly getting that trigger and you're only committing a single card to the board. So if somebody wipes the board, okay, I'm out one token generating spell as opposed to three individual flyers. And of course, like the, the added bonus of that is you are like giving away tokens hurts a lot less than giving away real cards. I'm very happy to give away one third of my spectral procession in exchange to take somebody's commander. And the cool thing is that you can just continue to rotate things around the board. So maybe your, your first rotation is going to be, okay, everyone gives their commander to the person to their left. (laughs) Is that, is that right? Hold on. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. The, yep. Gives their commander to the person to the left. You can keep shuffling those commanders and, and then stop them with you so that you end up holding all of the commanders, which seems pretty sweet. And of course, you can just mess up people's game plan. Like, I needed this doubling season in play for my deck to work. Okay, well, now it's now it, this it's still in play, it. but just on a different battlefield. Yep. The cost of giving away just a bird token in exchange for the person on your right's best permanent each turn does not seem that bad. Um, I think people were talking about like funny things you can do with this list. I really don't think you got to be that funny just for this to be good. Just one trigger on this guy is going to like really kind of get the board to a place where you can probably have disrupted most people's game plans unless someone was like really far behind or something like that and just like didn't have a board to mess up. So yeah, definitely an interesting list i really want to see it in action i want to see like what this guy ends up playing like and what it does to the table hopefully after kind of we can all get together again so i don't have to deal with the headache of web cards mm-hmm. and being like no 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 your commander goes to to that person in that little window on the <laughs> <laughs> so that seems like much more fun when well, you don't have to worry together. with logistical issues. Exactly. Yeah. You just go ahead and ship me that across the country. Thanks, yeah. but yeah. Can you can you put that in the mail real quick? I'll I'll, I'll get, send a stamp your way. You can just send it my way. Um, so I think the next commander uh, is. Uh, well, we'll just talk about it when it gets to it. This is Kells Fight Fixer. Kells is a four-three Azra Warlock for two black black. She has menace. And whenever you sacrifice a creature, you may pay hybrid blue-black if you do draw a card. Then she has one sacrifice a creature. Kel's Fight Fixer gains indestructible until end of turn. So, um, yeah, what do you want to say about Kel's? This is one of the least blue commanders I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is just nothing about this card that's blue 
at all. Um, and, and when you build the deck, that's kind of what you're going to find. Like, if you want to trigger her thing, you're going to need sack outlets, and uh, Black has all the best sack outlets. And of course, like, if you want to feed things into those sack outlets, you need sack fodder. Black has most of the best sack fodder. Uh, so I just don't really see what blue adds to this game plan other than good stuff like counter spells and card draw, that kind of thing. No, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of was excited when I first saw her. Just I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's an interesting trigger. She gains indestructible. What can I abuse with this? And as I just kept looking, it was it was not a lot. There's like really if, if she was like black green or something maybe there'd be uh, something else you could do with like that activated if if she was like black red there's definitely something you could do with that activated but uh, even like black white honestly would have been i think uh more oh black white would have been great like the fact that she gains indestructible like making your board wipes uh hit everyone but her that sounds pretty fun yeah blue doesn't have board wipes yeah so i i agree with you i i was kind of excited to try and like brew around her and found that like as i was looking my scryfall searches is just kind of coming up with like nothing in particular and that kind of that kind of sucks. So, the one thing that my like quirky idea that w- I still don't think is that good was just like control magic effects, like things that steal. So you steal their things with the blue cards, you sack them to her. That's not really that fun. It wasn't super efficient. A lot yeah. of control magic start at four and five mana. And so. al- and also like you know if you want if you're taking their creature you want it forever. It's like if this were black red and you could you know, steal someone's card and with like a traitorous blood or an act yeah. of treason and then sack it. That's, I don't know. That's, yeah. And you save mana, you get rid of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just think that. So, so basically any color would have been better than blue is what we're saying. Yes. Here. Literally. That is exactly what we're saying. So sorry, Kels. Um, maybe one day she'll have a spot in a list, but I don't know what you're doing right now. I think they could have just, yeah, gone with a different theme to, because there's plenty of themes that are black blue that don't necessarily have a good commander, but this oh, yeah. just isn't it. Yeah. I, I'm wondering like they were planting cards for like the flash theme. I was expecting if they're going to do hmm. a black blue thing that that would have been, that one. would have been cool. Yeah. I was expecting that, uh, didn't get it. So I'm, I'm wondering if this was like a slip up and they're just like, oh, I don't know. This is cool. Or if this is like a setup, like black blue is going to get, more stuff like this in the future in the same way that they're planning on black blue getting more flash so it, i mean it's impossible to tell right now but like maybe i don't know yeah i don't a- know a- as it stands like I- i'm not very interested in this commander exactly um next guy though is pretty funny yeah so um this is sethron herloon general a 4-4 minotaur warrior for three red red Whenever Sethron, Harloon General, or another non-token Minotaur enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-3 red Minotaur creature token. Uh, two hybrid black-red. Minotaurs you control get plus one, plus zero, oh, and gain menace and haste until end of turn. Um, what do you think about this guy? So, I like that they're sort of admitting that Neheb 1.0 <laughs> was not where Minotaur Tribal wants yep, to be. yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the best execution. Yeah, I feel that too. So he costs five mana. It is cool that he comes with a buddy, but his I feel like the main benefit here is 
any any uh, minotaur that enters the battlefield after him comes with a friend. So really, you want to get him down as early as possible and then play your other minotaurs afterwards. But he costs five mana. And yeah, you can, I mean, you can run some ramp, you can run your dark ritual or your seeding song or your mana vault or some things to try to get him down a little bit sooner, but that's not going to happen every game. And a lot of the minotaurs out there that you would consider playing like cost either the same or less than his mana cost. There's not, you're not naturally going to be going Sethron and then six drop minotaur, seven drop minotaur. That's not what's happening. Also the activated ability paying three mana to give things haste really don't love that um menace is not that awesome in commander um i just wish that was way cheaper or like was just a static effect minotaurs you control have haste i feel like that would be way better than like if you wanted to attack with sethron or like give sethron haste the turn he comes down okay now he costs eight mana uh i mean yeah he'll get pumped and get menace and his buddy has haste and menace and pump too but geez this just does not seem yeah i would i would push back on the menace thing just a little bit i do think the ability is too expensive i think this is going to be like really good in more casual play groups maybe if there's less like board wipes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that the only reason i really say this is that cavalier flame has like really impressed me just more so with the activated than i thought and that's two mana to activate i feel like three mana in black red is a um heavy ask black red i'm always feel like i'm mana starved like no matter what list i'm playing like unless i'm just going off with uh some like discard chain thing or something like that like i always feel mana starved so three i feel like is a lot but i actually do think if you're gonna have this many guys that the menace might actually be worth it but again it's gonna happen so slowly like you said it's just so much mana and so like you have to wait so long yeah like your entire like you play this on turn on five turn six you can activate him twice it's just yeah yeah so and and you don't have the extra friends at that point like let's say you play like a two drop a three drop and a four drop and then you play sethron you still only have five guys five guys and they're gonna get pumped you didn't get the advantage of the free tokens so like you're not actually up any like quote cards or anything like that um i just don't don't really see it like being super strong there's a lot i would trade off of this card to lower some of these mana costs like i would be much happier if this was like maybe one red red or two red red for like a two three classic herloon stats uh and then minotaurs you control have haste when it or another non-token minotaur enters the battlefield create a two three red minotaur i just five doesn't really Five drop commanders have to be, I think, a little bit more impactful and they can't be like the first thing you want to cast. Yeah, no, I definitely have experienced this many times. That being said, uh, one way I thought to build around this guy or make good use of him was like, well, like you mentioned, board wipes are going to be a problem because you're going to be like just playing these dorky minotaurs and then you play your commander and then somebody says like, hmm, a four for one, that seems like a good opportunity to damnation. Uh one thing I do like is because you have black in your color identity, you have access to some mass reanimation spells. And if you're using a mass reanimation spell, then Sethron is going to trigger off of himself and every other Minotaur, non-token Minotaur that's entering the battlefield at the same time. So basically when you play 
your living death, your command, the dread horde to rebuild your army, it's going to rebuild twice as big because you're getting all these bonus minotaurs. So that might be a good way to both make sure you're getting value out of your commander and avoid some of the, the painful crushing defeats from, uh, from board wipes. Yeah, no, I actually, I totally kind of love that. That's the kind of play style I probably would have ended up going towards. Like it's really funny when you have commanders that you do send to the graveyard, that's like always notable. And mm-hmm. I think you're kind of right. Like I would probably send Setron, especially if I had one in hand, like if I had a Patriarch's bidding in hand, which is a five mana sorcery, three black, black, each player chooses a creature type. Each player returns all creature cards of that chosen type from their graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so like if I had a Patriarch bidding in hand, someone wrath, like my board of the two drop, the three drop, the four drop and my commander, um, I'd be actually pretty happy because all of a sudden, like I'm getting like a massive board back. Um, but I do, I guess my last thought on this guy is that, uh, I, when I was young and I saw didgeridoo, I was like, Oh, cool. Maybe someday we'll get a cool splashy minotaur to put onto the battlefield with didgeridoo. And then when Theris came around and they're like, Minotaur, they're small and aggressive. <laughs> Every time they print more Minotaur that are small and aggressive, my heart just weeps a little <laughs> bit more that the promise of Didgeridoo will never be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. They just have yet to print just a cool, splashy, like seven drop Minotaur or something like that. So maybe someday, but not today. Not with this guy. All right. Well, I think I'm ready to move on to the next commander. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so this is Naeth of the Dire Hunt. Two green green for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature human warrior. Whenever one or more creatures you control fight or become blocked, draw a card. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay two hybrid red green. If you do, double target creature's power until end of turn. That creature must be blocked this combat if able. So... What kind of cards do you think you're going to run in this deck? Yeah, I honestly have been waiting for Naeth for uh, a long time since, like, Dragons of Dark here, basically, when fight was becoming a more thing. Uh, you're going to fight. You want to put some fight cards in here. Um, and at this point, there's a decent amount of them. There's there's uh, really a lot. Uh, you're going to draw a lot of cards with this trigger. Um I don't know do you just every set now every other set I feel like they switch between a fight card and like a punch card Mm -hmm. Uh, punch being like creature deals damage equal to its power to another creature Um, but like the ability to turn a savage swipe which was like marginally playable in commander uh, it's just green sorcery target creature you control gets plus two plus two until end of turn if its power is two then it fights target creature you don't control so this is just a one mana fight card you make a creature fight same with prey upon same kind of thing green sorcery target creature you control fights target creature you don't control this just becomes a cantrip now and you maybe you win the fight maybe your uh wayward sword tooth which is just a five five for three mana you can play an additional land on each of your turn it can't attack or block unless you have the city's blessing and it has a send uh that can sit there and just like beat up on some guys draw you some cards get you some extra lands and uh you're probably going to be sitting pretty for a long time just because of that do you want to get into anything else with this list yeah there's a couple of cards i really like in this deck um i like creatures that come down and fight by themselves like 
having to like have a beefy creature and a fight card, that's a little bit of AB if we can combine that and save deck slots, and I'm a big fan of that. Um, I'm also running some cards that are purely there just to fight. They're not even really there to get in. So there's like Hazaret the Fervent, three red for a five four legendary creature god indestructible haste it can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand and you can pay three and discard a card to deal two damage to each opponent so really i don't plan on attacking with Hazaret. it's just a five power indestructible thing that will likely win any fight it gets into similarly there's ronus the indomitable which yeah. is a five five for two and a green that also is indestructible has death touch and can't attack or block unless you control another creature with power four or greater and can pump stuff. There's also some very goofy stuff, like like you mentioned, Wayward Sword Tooth, Lupine Prototype. Yeah, that's so fun. So Lupine Prototype is a two mana artifact creature. It's a five five, and it has Lupine Prototype can't attack or block unless a player has no cards in hand. Um, that that's it. It's just a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits there and is huge and will fight everything. Yeah, uh, so that's mainly the cards, kind of cards I'm running. I have a few things that utilize her combat trigger where you can double things power. Um, Malignus was the first thing that came to mind. It may also be appropriate to run some infect creatures. There's a couple five plus power infect creatures in this color. I'm thinking like Putrefax. I'm thinking Phyrexian Juggernaut. I'm thinking Phyrexian Hydra. All of those might be things sort of utilize that Zenig just think about what works well in Xenagos and apply it here yeah so I, I think I'm really happy this card exists uh, we finally do get a fight commander um, I know people have been wanting this for a long time and they gave it to us pretty good way so I'm excited that Naeth exists now hmm. um, so I think our last commander that we have is Emil the Blessed this is a 4-4 unicorn for two white white uh, they have Three, exile another target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay hybrid green-white. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. If it's a unicorn, put two plus one, plus one counters on it. Uh, so what would you do with this card? So uh, it doesn't look like it, but I think that this is a combo deck. When I look at this, um, the first thing that came to mind was Great Oak Guardian, which is five and a green for a four five creature tree folk. It has flash, it has reach, and when it enters the battlefield, creatures target player controls get plus two plus two until end of turn, untap them. So if you have Great Oak Guardian on the battlefield, Emil the Blessed, and uh, any combination of mana dorks that tap for three or more mana, then you can tap your mana dorks, activate Emil, blink the Great Oak Guardian. He will come in, pump your team, and untap all your creatures. So you can keep doing that for infinite pump. If you happen to have mana dorks that can add four or more, then you also generate infinite mana, infinite blinks at the same time. So that seems very powerful because your color identity is green. You have access to a lot of tutors, so you can get the Great Oak Guardian more frequently. And then there's another card that can sort of sub in and provide some of that benefit. Um, Village Bellringer is two and a white for a 1-4 human scout with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, untap all creatures you control. So if whatever, for whatever reason you're uh, not able to get your Great Oak Guardian, you can use Village Bellringers to potentially generate infinite mana 
and infinite blinks and try to work out another route to victory from there. Yeah, and, and this goes, you also get infinite mana with something like, say, Selvala, Heart of the Wilds, which is probably making the mana to start the chain anyway, once you have the Great Oak Guardian down. Uh, she's going to keep getting bigger, and your other creatures are going to eventually like usurp the size of the Great Oak Guardian and mm. just generate infinite mana that way. So that's just like two cards you need with your commander. So there's a lot going on with this list. I would push back on the, like, Whenever I see something that reminds me of uh, Eldrazi Displacer, I'm kind of looking for combos. Mm -hmm. So Eldrazi Displacer is a 3-3 Eldrazi for two and a white. It is It has Devoid, so it is colorless at all times. And it has two colorless. Exile another target creature, then return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. Um, you can do a lot of stuff with this. It's, uh, like Nick said, it's an all-star in like Rasputin, um, which just you remove some counters from him make mana have infinite colorless it's great and you can just do so many things with just blinking like this uh especially on something like your commander which you don't really need to spend a card on like putting i, th I think this is going to be better than rasputin uh, as a blink deck because uh rasputin you need to get the blink engine where emil is just here she's here she's going to give you uh card advantage along the way like let's say you're like oh no my thing died i'll blink my eternal witness again or like oh no that artifact is causing me problems i'll blink my uh reclamation uh, sage. yes i'll blink my reclamation sage again oh no like uh i don't have enough mana i'll blink my spring bloom druid like it, it the this is just going to be so much better i think and a lot uh, quicker to assemble than Rasputin might have been. Yeah, I think just that the fact that you have access to so many good tutors is really what makes the key difference. Like, it's very difficult for Rasputin to find its Eldrazi Displacer, but finding your Great Oak Guardian or Village Bell Ringer is... It's trivial. Yeah, yeah, a dozen ways. No problem. Yeah, super easy. So this is going to be a very strong commander, I think. So, uh, last question, I guess. How many unicorns are you running? <laughs> Zero. Yeah, um really not uh not uh planning on putting too many unicorns in this list personally but you know what for those people who love unicorns it's great that i mean this is technically a unicorn tribal commander so have have at it yeah yeah um but i think we are at the main deck cards now there's not too many of them so i think we're gonna get through this pretty quick do you want to start with these guys sure uh, i'll start with blessed sanctuary this is three white white for an enchantment Prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and creatures you control. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white unicorn creature token. So Light of Sanction sees play in almost 40% of Fire Song and Sunspeaker decks. Light of Sanction is basically just the first half of this card. It's one in a white. Prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to creatures you control. So that's a good indicator that this might see play in those decks. Although, uh, you know, five mana is a lot more than two and Firesong and Sunspeaker isn't really able to make use of the second half of the ability very well. You're not running a ton of creatures in that list. As for the second half, there's a couple cards that um, make for pretty good analogs. It's similar to like Spirit Bonds or Mirror March. Uh, in that if you have a lot of non-token creatures entering the battlefield, it'll get you some value It'll and works especially well in decks that are trying to go wide. So I'm thinking like 
if you're in non-token aggro in white, like maybe a Lena selfless champion or an Audric Lunark Marshall type of deck, um, it would might make sense there. It also makes a lot of sense in blink decks like Brago or Emiel, where if you're going for infinite blinks, this could be a win condition potentially. Um, but overall, it like five mana is pretty expensive and it doesn't really do anything a lot of the time it's also one of those cards where you want to cast it before you cast all your creatures so it like just makes you feel bad if you're curving out on one through four and then drop this yeah like i see power in this card and don't know where to put it uh yeah so like it it on the surface like seems like it would be good in like a go wide boros list that's gonna like earthquake but like there weren't that's not really a thing right now. We don't really, other than I would say maybe, um, Tajik Leeson's edge. Exactly. Yeah. Tajik like who is indestructible, usually runs things like that to wipe the board, but like doesn't necessarily like build up tokens. A lot of the time, a lot of times people just like suit them up with like a world slayer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a world slayer is just an expensive equipment. When equipped creature hits uh, an opponent, uh, everyone sacrifices all permanents they control or destroys all permanents they control. So, um, it's very funny. It, you hit someone with your commander, your commander doesn't die, the sword doesn't die, no one can have permanence, you win. Congrats. Um, I was actually thinking about New Tajik. New Tajik says, prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to other creatures you control, but he doesn't protect himself. Oh, yeah. So this way, you give him that coverage, and then all your earthquakes don't also kill him. Oh, that's true. And he has mentor, right? Yeah, he does yeah. have mentor, so he can uh, teach those unicorns how to fight real good. Yep. There he goes. Um, that's really funny. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, one day maybe I'll be like, you know, what goes really good in this commander blessed sanctuary, Mm -hmm. but that day that's not today. Yeah. Um, this next card I might like kind of unreasonably excited for, even though it's like really just a role player. Mm -hmm. Um, this is release the dogs. This is a white sorcery three in our white for, uh, a very simple effect. It says create four one, one white dog creature tokens. This just is a great rate. You're getting four tokens for four mana on one card. And uh, that is exactly what white needs sometimes. Like there's a lot of white, white X, uh, white XX decks that go wide. And you don't necessarily want to uh, commit four cards to the board to get triggers off of something. We literally were just talking about um, some commanders earlier in this episode that don't want to commit four cards to the board mm-hmm. uh, just in case they get wrath. Um, this card doesn't necessarily fit into those lists being that they need to like flying and other things, but this fits into a ton of decks and I'm really excited to include it. Yeah. I'm very happy about this card. Um, I think it ranks among some of white's best token generators. Uh, and I'm looking forward to putting it in my token decks. Yes. So we have one more white card. This is Steel Plume Marshall. This is a 3-3 bird soldier for 3 white white. It has flying. Whenever Steel Plume Marshall attacks, other attacking creatures you control with flying get plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. Um, Yeah, how do you feel about this guy? So plus 2, plus 2 is a good bonus. Um, I, I like seeing that. However, this guy is pretty slow, and he really telegraphs what you're trying to do. Um. So if you put him on the board when you already have like five flyers, 
then some your opponent knows, okay, well, I would like to not get hit for an extra 10 damage next turn, so maybe I ought to do something about this. Yeah. The one list I would say that I would pretty much guarantee play this is Safara. Oh, yeah. So Safara Sky's Blade is a 7-7 angel for 4 white, 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 but she has... You may pay white and tap four untapped creatures you control with flying rather than pay the spell's mana cost. She also has flying and lifelink, and other creatures you control with flying have indestructible. So, Safara is uh, one of the better mono-white commanders we've gotten in the past years. Uh, Flying tribal is pretty good. Protecting your flyers like that is pretty good. If she is down and then you drop this guy... um, People are in for a world of hurt because they're going to have to get rid of her and then they're going to have to get rid of your board. Um, That's pretty much the only place I feel like I would play this guy right now, Mm -hmm. I think. But I pretty much agree with you. I think if you're just going to put him into like like a Kangi Airy Keeper list, which is a bird tribal, basically, um, it's a 3-3 flyer for four. And it has kicker 2-X. 2-X, yeah. And it enters with X feather counters and birds you control get plus X. Plus X plus X, where X is the number of feather counters on him. Um, it's kind of the go-to bird commander right now. This guy is a bird soldier, so it, I think people are going to play him there. But um, Kingy's not super efficient. So if your meta is a little more casual, I think that's somewhere this guy will go to. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Moving on to the blue cards, we'll start with Corsair Captain. Two and a blue for a 2-2 creature human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Other pirates you control get plus one plus one. What deck do you think this is going to fit into? Yeah, if only there was a pirate lord that we could put this other pirate lord into. I, Beckett Press is going to love this. We got a, another good pirate. Um, but I just want to say I can't wait till we get a, an actually like a playable pirate commander. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Agreed. I'm so sorry. I love the pirates. I love what they did with them. Why can't I play them in a deck and not feel bad? Mm. Not just feel bad, like I'm losing value. It's very painful. So sad. Do you want to just keep moving? Sure. Uh, This next one is Scholar of the Lost Trove. Five blue blue for a five five creature sphinx. It has flying. And when it enters the battlefield, you may cast, target instant, sorcery, or artifact card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If an instant or sorcery spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard this turn exile it instead um how do you feel about this i so okay when i started playing commander i would have loved this card this card would have gone right into my like esper artifact list um i would have used it maybe i could like have recast an evacuation if i really needed it or like gotten back my like sharam from the graveyard or whatever it is but like nowadays this is kind of just not it's just not super efficient i really wish it was like one other creature type like a sphinx wizard or something so i could like justify playing it in like some other list or like a nabon list or something Mm -hmm. like that that way i could actually get like seven mana worth of value off of this trigger or something but just like putting it into an artifact list now i feel like it's or, or even a spell slinger list like just don't really i'm not really feeling it I am 100% in agreement with you. This definitely feels like a card that I would be looking at more carefully, you know, eight years ago. Yeah. The Command Zone did an episode recently where they talked about how the format has gotten a lot less battle cruisery, a lot more efficient over the past few years. 
And I think that this is the kind of card that, you know, would have seen play earlier in the format doesn't really have a place in modern commander. Yeah. And I honestly feel that like sometimes I'll get an idea for a list and be like, oh, cool. And I feel like the list would have been good eight years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like I was recently uh, kind of scrapped an idea because I was like play testing it and it was too clunky. It would have been fine uh, circa like 2011, 2012 or something like that. It was like a Lanessa Zephyr Mage where you like would clone Lanessa and then like get Lanessa oh, back try to get the hand. grandeur. Yeah, the whole point was just trying to get the grandeur trigger and it was just like a funny thing. I was like, haha, wouldn't this be funny if... And it like worked. I could get it to work, but it was just like too slow and clunky and I just realized like if I'm like making one person bounce four permanents on turn six, I'm just going to die. <laughs> like that's, there's just like not enough going on here. So that's the same way I feel with this card. Mm. Okay. So this next one though is pretty, pretty rad. So do you want to get into this guy? Sure. This is Witch of the Moors. Three black, black for a four, four creature human warlock with death touch at the beginning of your end step. If you gained life this turn, each opponent sacrifices a creature and you return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So just looking at EDH rec, doing a little casual gatherer searching, you can see there's about a dozen or so black commanders that can gain life on each of your turns, just easily meet that condition. Um, And this can provide a lot of value over time if you're keeping it on the board and meeting that that condition to get the trigger. Um, That being said, like, you know, the impact of the card in the short term is not enormous and it's the kind of thing that like begs your opponents to remove it if they don't it's great you're gonna get up so many cards it's gonna be fantastic but um you know if if this just like trades with a go for the throat before the first end step then it's not that impactful yeah my guess with this card in particular is that you're gonna drop it you're gonna gain some life somehow everyone's going to sack at the end of their turn and then the next player is going to untap and take care of it Mm -hmm. that's like kind of how i see it and in that case it maybe it was a four for one in that instance but um yeah if you are in a good spot if it's like late game and people haven't like people have run through a lot of the removal and stuff like that i feel like this is going to do a lot of work but um i don't know i'm still gonna try (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna try and if i get blown out then uh Oh, well, because this card is just can offer so much value. Okay, so this next card is Immolating Gyre. This is a red sorcery. It costs four red red, so six CMC. It has Immolating Gyre deals X damage to each creature and Planeswalker you don't control, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Um, So, Honestly, like this is really only going to have a home in a pretty spell-heavy list, Spellslinger lists in particular, I would say, uh, where the damage is actually going to scale to the late game and actually wipe opponents' boards. I think, like, honestly, I think the closest comparison would be something like Hour of Devastation, which is five mana deal five to uh, each creature and each non-Bolus Planeswalker, uh, and then they lose Indestructible until the turn, which you would think, like, is pretty good like okay they lose indestructible dealing five damage probably rest the board it really only sees play in like about four thousand decks on edh rec um so if you're not getting six damage for six mana on this guy um i really don't think you're getting your your uh, mana's worth Mm -hmm. out of him if you're casting this for like four or five um 
I think you could do better. I think you should have just run Blasphemous Act or something along those lines first. Yeah, so my issue with this card is I think a lot of the most popular Spellslinger commanders sort of tend to bend towards combo. And if you're trying to win via combo, then you don't care as much about controlling the board. It's like I can kind of go over the top of your aggressive board by just copying this lightning bolt a thousand times. Um, so like looking at the the top Spellslinger commanders on EDH rec, it's like Mizix of the Is Magnus. That doesn't need to worry about controlling the board. Like Niv Mizzet Parun, Kess Dissident Mage, um, Melek Is it Paragon, Elsha of the Infinite. By far the most popular Spellslinger decks are ones that have the potential to go infinite and don't need to play as much of a controlling role. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There are a few lists, I'm going to say like like wheel lists, mm-hmm. um, that maybe could get some good value out of this. Cause, uh, so let's say... Uh, Easily fill in your graveyard. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, one of the problems when you're playing Nekusar is that everyone's going for you everyone's gonna kill you because if you survive two or more turns you probably win um you probably have wheeled at least once once nekusar is out your graveyard's probably pretty full everyone's graveyards are probably pretty full this might be a good way to like wrath everyone's board there and just keep nekusar in but again like i'm not sure if that's better than just damnation wheeling again oh yeah or (laughs) wheeling again or blasphemous act yeah or blasphemous act or anything so i'm i I'm kind of struggling to see where I would want to play this. So I think the only other real comparison that this card has is Volcanic Vision, which is a seven mana sorcery. It's five red, red, a return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Volcanic Vision deals damage equal to that card CMC to each creature your opponents control, but then you exile Volcanic Vision. This again sees play in like 4,700 lists. Um, So not that many, but this one gets a card back to your hand and wipes most of the board. So I just... I, I don't know. I it just seems like it compares strangely to where the format is right now. Like it just doesn't really fit in. If there were a spellslinger list that um that was less about just winning the game with your spells and more about controlling the board, then this would be a really really good fit there. But right now I just don't know if we have a a commander that naturally goes into that. Like you can build your your Melek deck or your Mizix deck to to do that to be not about comboing but it's just it's not the optimal way to build the deck oh yeah for sure it'd be nice to see like a list that was optimized for spellslinger control Mm -hmm. because the perfect wouldn't feel bad about running this there yeah i've been waiting for that for a while and it seems like every is it we've gotten some good is it commanders but they all either are just very good or tend towards combo Mm -hmm. so oops um we have some more red cards. This next one is Lightning Phoenix. It is a 2-2 flying haste for two and a red. Uh, it cannot block. And at the beginning of your end step, if an opponent was dealt three or more damage this turn, you may pay red. If you do, return Lightning Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I don't like that this comes back at your end step because mm-hmm. it can't block. I would have liked like if an opponent took three damage at the beginning of combat, that mm-hmm. would have made me a lot happier because it has flying in haste and it can't block. Yeah. Um, I understand that maybe that trigger was just easier or like easier to grok, but I don't, I don't feel like this card would have been busted if not super excited about this card. Um, do you have any ideas where you would put this? Uh, so 
I think maybe if you're in a a non-black red deck with a lot of sack outlets, I think it wouldn't be that hard to get this trigger every turn. So it's like a potential source of sack fodder for a commander like Anax, who, you know, makes it so that whenever one of your creatures die, you get an extra token. Or Kari Zev, which is naturally running these sack outlets to get value off of Ragavan. Similar with Valduk, like your your elementals are going to die at end of turn, so you want to sacrifice them to something. Or uh, Varchild, who wants to leave the battlefield so that you can get all your survivors. Yeah, I, I actually very much agree with those. I think the Annex one sounds like pretty good to me like he's pretty aggressive and like seems pretty able valdic also seems pretty able to do this but i don't know this is i'm waiting for a phoenix that i'm like really excited for and it really doesn't have to be that good it just has to be like easy enough to recur yeah i just want there to be sort of some phoenixes on the level of like Bloodgast, Reassembling Skeleton, Other Traitor. Yeah. Uh, just some things that like, okay, if give give me the suite of cards I need to make red sacrifice decks work. Yeah, I've been waiting for a red blood soak champion. Mm, I think that, that that would be great. I think that that fits the color pie. Uh, and I really don't even think it would bust anything. I think it's just a tool mono red can have. And that's my hot take for this card. (laughs) So um, this next card is called living lightning. It is a three, two elemental shaman for three and a red. When living lightning dies, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. This, I, I like this guy in theory. I I think I'm going to try him in some lists because I do think the value is there. And I do think there are some, uh, list if you care about elementals or shamans, or you just have uh, a lot of spells, or you can sack them easily. I I would give him a shot because like he gives you a second chance at a bunch of stuff like board wipes, card draw, like ramp, kind of whatever you might need at this point in time. But do you have any ideas like where you would run him? Yeah, so I really like the um, mass mirror animation spell and like eternal witness combo the fact that you can just keep like always have this mass reanimation spell in your hand and i think that this guy for like color identities that don't include blue probably don't include green uh this guy provides um that option for you if you have like a a deck with a lot of mass reanimation spells and some sack outlets then this guy can be like your third copy of like Anarchist or Jahodun. Um, and just, I'm going to always have this Patriarch's Bidding or this um, Command the Dread Horde or this Twilight's Call in my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, I, I do like this guy. So I'm going to I'm gonna give him a shot. Next card, this is Allosaurus Shepherd. They are a 1-1 Elf Shaman for a green. So just a single green. Allosaurus Shepherd can't be countered. Green spells you control can't be countered. And then has the activated ability for green green. Until end of turn, each elf creature you control has base power and toughness 5-5 and becomes a dinosaur in addition to its other creature types. So they still are elves. You still get your elf tribal. Mm -hmm. They're just also dinosaurs. They just get a little mount. Yeah, how do you feel about this guy? Uh, This is a very, very good card. This is like... (laughs) For certain metagames, this is a format staple. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if you're in CEDH, this is uh, nutso. This is like comes down for one green, and now none of your green spells can be countered. That's like insane. Like they're gonna have to have like bounce counter, like a remand or something like that, or like a memory lapse, which I don't even think is that played in CEDH these like at all. Uh, I don't. I'm I don't think sure. actually remand would work. You'd need like an unsubstantiate. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, which I I know unsubstantiate isn't really played in CEDH. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, this is going to kind of get in there and do a lot of work there. If you're playing it in your elf list, eh, there's Azuri exists. Yeah. If like, if your commander is Azuri, I, I mean, I'd probably still run this cause it's an elf that provides value and it's cheap, but I wouldn't really, I likely wouldn't be activating this much. Yeah. I think if like, I had 11 mana, I would activate and this and then activate Azuri. Yeah, if Azuri was like costed out and you had a ton of mana or like maybe you just have a bunch of lords and this is going to give you more pump for your buck for some reason, Mm -hmm. then maybe I would do that. But kind of like you said, I would probably just run it because it's a cheap elf and it keeps people from gunking up my plan. Yeah, but very powerful card. We'll likely see a lot of play. Yep. Um, Do you want to get into this next guy? Sure. This is Branching Evolution. Two and a green for an enchantment. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. So what kind of archetypes do you think are going to use this card? I was going to ask you that. So this is, um, I mean, I would slot this right into uh, Gave. I would slot this into if I had like a plus one plus one counter pure and toothy. If you're building Emil, the blessed unicorn tribal, this is pretty good there. Um, the plus one plus one counter less. If you are green and love plus one plus one counters, here you go. Here's some, uh, here's some good stuff. Oh man. Do you think Gargos wants this? It comes down before most of the Hydras. Not all high. I mean, most Hydras do use plus one plus one counters. Not all of them do. Yeah. I'd say probably. Probably. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause Gargos costs six, so you play it a turn or two before Gargos comes down, mm-hmm. and then you're getting some beef, I would assume. So, I don't know. That might be a list you might want to put this into. Again, just plus one. If you see plus one, plus one counters on your commander, uh, maybe look at this card. Yep. All right. Uh, last card we're going to be talking about today is Towering Titan. Four green green for a zero zero creature giant. It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the total toughness of other creatures you control. Sacrifice a creature with defender. All creatures gain trample until end of turn. Uh, what deck do you think this is aimed at? And do you think it'll be good enough? Yeah. I mean, I think this is aimed at like an Arcades list or a Doran list, Doran the Siege Tower, both of which let uh, creatures attack with their booties. Arcades in particular let's uh defenders attack but i'm 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 not super into that this has some knobs on it that i like kind of pack my interest Uh, it's a zero zero so if you uh are like reanimating stuff based on power you might be able to get some like sweet deals on it if you it, it might just be a big fat for cheap or free sometimes depending on like what you're doing. I can't think of those cases right now. I'm going to keep looking though, because other than that, it's not very good. Mm. I just don't think it's very good. Uh, If you like curve out and this is like an eight, eight for six, um, that doesn't seem particularly strong to me. Yeah. I I don't love this uh, in Arcades. Like it's 
pretty expensive. It doesn't like trigger his card draw. And I think there's, if you're looking for evasion, there's more efficient ways to do it. Um, like you could just run a, a Tetsuko Umazawa or like a Primal Rage, something that is either much cheaper or much, le- much less fragile or offers a better kind of evasion. Uh, yeah, I just don't think this does a whole lot. Like gigantic vanilla beaters are not exactly where you want to be. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So that's really the last new card. I We don't usually talk about reprints on the set, but I did want to make one note about the reprints because most of this set is reprints. It's a, it's a huge set. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know what jumpstart was going to be, but I, I kind of just want to say that like, I think people were turned off initially because they said it's for new players. You can just pick it up and play that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think the reprints in jumpstart is exactly, this is exactly the kind of product that should be marketed towards new players. Mm-hmm. Cause I think one of the biggest problems that commander's longevity was going to have and is still going to have is just reprint equity reprint prices the cost of playing the game and if you open a jumpstart card and you have an oracle of moldiah which is currently 40 dollars you can just put that into a deck and start playing with your friends and all of a sudden that barrier to entry is lessened you can get more people playing you can have friends who maybe have been wanting to pick up these powerful cards for a long time but can't because they don't have the money to just spend like a thousand bucks on a commander deck, like all of a sudden they can play with you too. So I think if this gets a big enough print run or if they keep doing it in the future, like I kind of hope they do honestly. Yeah. There's plenty more themes they can tackle. Yeah. I, I think this is really a good thing for not just commander, but magic in general. So I'm, I'm really happy with this product and not just the new cards, but the reprints as well. Yeah. I also really like this product. And one thing I like about it is, it's an introductory product that isn't embarrassing to buy if you're an advanced player. Yeah, yeah. Like the Planeswalker decks, there is no good value. Like all the new cards in those decks are designed specifically. So like the the Planeswalker decks with M21 are designed to be low power, not see constructed play. That's not very exciting. And the other like sort of entry level pre-constructed product that we have right now are like the commander decks which jump you into a format that uh, is very difficult to learn and complex. Like it's nice that this offers the simplicity of gameplay of a planeswalker deck, but some of the value of the commander precons together in one product. Yeah. And, and again, like this is something that magic is needed. I do think it's a good idea to print these really good reprints or really equitable reprints in a product like this because it's just better for everyone because a lot of these cards are fun to play with. They didn't reprint any cards that are like particularly complex or weird or make a weird game state. Mm-hmm. They're not reprinting possibility storm. So like, ha isn't this fun? Isn't this fun, dude? Like, ah, you don't get to cast your spells correctly. Ha isn't that fun? They're reprinting stuff like core spirit dancer, which is like a really sexy card. If you're a, uh, a new player They're they're reprinting like harvester of souls and languish. They're reprinting, like charm breaker devils on top of like these expensive reprints like the the oracle of moldiah the the rhystic study like these cards that people have wanted for a really long time um and again like it's good when new players get their hands on these cards like if a new player picks up their unicorn tribal jumpstart pack and they have like this expensive green staple in it they're kind of set for life like i can't even imagine what like if, if my collection hasn't gained value over the years, like where I would be playing right now, like the budget list, I would kind of be forced to play 
uh, I'm very lucky to have started like playing magic many, many years ago now because my collection just kind of accrued value over time. But it used to be not that expensive of a hobby, honestly, mm-hmm. could go to um, the card shop on a Sunday, spend 10 bucks and have a new 60 card deck. And a lot of those cards carried over to Commander over the years as they just became unplayable in other formats. So this is just a good thing. I really hope to see more jump starts or at least more products like Jumpstart. And I hope you all uh, buy it. Also, the basic lands. Well, I think that's oh, my yeah. last note. This is great. Like, the theme basic lands are so cool. Yeah, no, getting, being able to have, like, all Phyrexian text swamps in your oh. Phyrexian theme deck. Oh, yes. Beautiful. So, so good. I really love, like, the... um. There's like the beast, like the cat forest. I really love. There's like the one planes where it's like a reflection of a planes and like the artifact egg thing. Um, The unicorn planes is really good. The book island. There's so many good ones. They really kind of knocked it out of the park with the art. They they hired some really, really good artists to do all these basic lands. And the, the fact that they're themed like that, the fact you can get like a devil head mountain for your like Tibble tribute deck or something like that now like i think that's something that magic was missing um definitely like in so many sets the for it like the basic lands are just there to communicate two things like what does this world look like and what does like this type of basic land look like what does a forest look like and the fact that like they're able to get a lot more um I'd say abstract, a lot more experimental, uh, a lot more silly, like really appeal to people's specific niche rather than like, we have no idea if the player who opens this is going to understand like why this millstone is an island. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you bought your mill deck and the millstone island is going to be there. And if you want to play... like, let's say you do want to go and build Bruvac, the Grandiloquent. You can put entirely Millstone Islands in your deck and probably have a good time with it and feel pretty stylish. So uh, I'm really ha- pretty much all around. I'm happy with this product. Again, like I think my two favorite things so far this year have been Jumpstart and Mystery Booster. I wish Mystery Booster had more of a print run because I think it actually could have done a lot of good for the game in general. I hope they do it again honestly please yeah these extremely large sets that just handle a wide variety of reprints um great for the game very happy to see these and hope we get more in the future yeah but um with that minor note uh please let us know what you think about like jumpstart what you think about any of the new cards if you think there's like a use for a card we like failed to hit on um we're kind of in the the thick of spoiler frenzy uh, double master spoilers are going to start sooner than anyone wants i think <laughs> honestly um so if if there's something we missed let us know um if you want to just give us a, a list or let us know about like some cool idea you had for one of these commanders please like yeah just just hit us up yeah i would love to be proven wrong about kel's fight fixer oh, for yeah. example yeah if you have a really cool innovative list for her please let me know i'm excited to see it mm-hmm. um but that's it so thanks for listening yeah and uh before we go i want to give a brief shout out to our patreon patrons they are 
Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, Brandon, Eamon, and Kevin. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio, produce high-quality episodes. And if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>